Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world With love so soft Welcome everybody And it's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast The three amigos are sitting here Pat how are you, my How friend? you doing, guys? How's everything? Pat Picciarelli, the co-author of our fabulous book called Hollywood Godfather. And we have Megan Horan. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And we're here. All right, guys. So recently we had a request. We received a message from a guy named Jeff. And he was wondering if we could do an episode about Roy DeMeo and his crew. So he says, I have a feeling you and Pat, meaning Gianni, would absolutely tell the story better than anybody. So what do you think, Roy DeMeo? Well, we know an awful lot about Roy. <laughs> yeah, good, we know about Roy. Mostly good and bad. I mean, mostly we, bad. Uh, we could refer to him as the late Roy DeMeo. Yeah. But, uh, legendary. Legendary. Mm. But, For uh, the wrong reasons, but yes, legendary. So let's kick it in. And we want to thank Jeff Warner. We can give his last name. He gave it to us. I don't think he would mind. No. No. But He's see, famous now. And, and for our <laughs> listeners, see... What we're telling you, make the request, subscribe, become a part of it. We are really doing this stuff. And Jeff, thank you, because he's a very colorful character and I mean, amazing, yeah. amazing talent for nobody who would want the career. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So well, let's go to our... Detective on the our job, expert on all things. On... I, I like to be called a, the resident historian. How's there you that? go. Oh, I like that. Police like historian that. or just complete historian? All right. Well, well you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I know a little bit about everything, but not a lot about one thing. Okay. But I know, I, I know a little bit about. We can take that. He, he started out in the biz, so to speak, very young. He caught the attention of a Gambino soldier named. Gaji. Is it Gaji or Gaggi? How do you pronounce it? Gaji. 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 Two Gs, right? Germany. He was only 16. Okay. 16 years old. Yeah. Not Gaji. Uh, DeMeo. No, yeah, not that old. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he saw a future. Now, this is how people get re recruited. You know, they're, they're spotted by somebody and they're brought in. You know, you don't answer a, a, a wanted on, on, on Craigslist to join the mafia. You know? <laughs> somebody seeks you out. Right. And in this case, it was this guy. It was highly respected. This guy, uh, Anthony Gaggi, uh, saw something in uh, DeMeo. And at the time, DeMeo wasn't what he wound up to be, which was a cold-blooded killer. He was a hustler. He was out there to make money. And uh, he got involved uh, initially in the marijuana business through a friend who was a small-time dealer. And he had bigger ideas. And he wound up making his friend's small marijuana business a big marijuana business. Yep. Then he actually joined a legitimate credit union. What better way to loan the money? Hello. I mean, and he was a young guy, not a made guy. In fact, he forgot it was so infamous and involved with the life. He didn't get made for a while, but for reasons we'll explain a little later. Uh, he gets involved in the, in, in the marijuana thing. He goes into the Brooklyn Credit Union uh, the same year. Uh, he gets he gets on the board of directors. He's like twenty, and uh, he utilized his position to uh, launder 
what he had to launder through all his uh, illegal activities, which were getting wide and varied even at the time. Well, that, that's when uh, Gaji brought see, Gaji brought him up to downtown. Yeah. And they, they gave him even more money for Sherlockin business because he had a yeah, way of, I, of cleaning it up through the credit unions. So, I he mean, was he, also involved in fronting uh, a dentist, believe it or not, who wanted to go into business, which they turned into an abortion clinic. Hmm. Uh, restaurants, he owned the new, new, well, partners in restaurants, flea markets were just coming into their own then. And and he, he saw something in that. And a lot of flea markets in the, in the Bensonhurst area of uh, Brooklyn. And I, I, I assume he had a lot to do with that. Uh, but his, his big deal was construction, food retailing, and cars. Well, cars, they, cars, what they originally did, they were hijacking and robbing them, chopping them up. He, yeah, well, well, he liked to call used cars. Yeah, <laughs> but, huh, uh, right. Yeah, his uh, he was involved in in, in, uh, in 1974. He got uh, involved in a, a, a conflict uh, between his crew and uh, some uh, guy that owned an uh, automotive shop uh, that didn't want to go along with the mayor's idea of uh, chopping up cars and selling uh, uh, illegal parts. Uh, the guy's name was uh, Katz, mm. and uh, that was uh, DeMeo's first homicide. He, he, he killed Mr. Katz in May of 75. And how old was he at that time, so our audience? 75, he was uh, born in 39, so 36, mm. 26. Oh, 36, yeah, 36 So, so you have him yeah. born in 1936? 39. 39, okay. I believe he's born in 39. I think it's September 7th, uh, 1940. Anyway, uh, the thing was, he, he he assumed this guy Cass was cooperating with the police because he wouldn't go into business with the, the, with the male. Now, this is the early uh, uh, introduction of the male's paranoia. He His answer to everything was kill him. If he thought you were talking, if he even had a hint you were talking or had a dream you were talking, you were dead. And well, that's he, how you know, that was, that was uh, a lot of crews worked that way. If in doubt, just kill him. Yeah. yeah. You know, a dead witness can't talk. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was arrested for that. Uh, no, uh, a guy named Joseph Testa and a guy named Borelli were arrested for the cat's killing, but they were uh, acquitted at trial. Yeah, Joe, Joe Testa. Lack of evidence. Yeah, always lack of evidence. Uh I think lack of a one witness, <laughs> the main one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, he also got involved with, you know, these guys they call the Iceman, Kuklinski. Yeah. Uh, he, this guy, Kuklinski, uh, was a, a legend in his own mind. Yeah, granted, he was a stone-cold killer. Uh, they call him the Iceman because he used to store bodies in his freezer before he dumped them. So uh, uh, the MEs would get confused as the time and date of death right. so they call me Iceman. but uh he uh he was involved with uh uh with uh, roy de and a guy named robert uh, de bernardo who they called db right. who later went on to uh snub john Gotti. when john Gotti made made boss he would have these weekly meetings in the in the, in the ravenite db was from the bronx and he famously blew off a meeting with John Gotti, and John Gotti's caught on tape saying, you know why D.B. had to go? You know why I killed D.B.? Because he 
didn't come to the meeting. That was one well, of the that was one thing that John me. demanded from even older guys. Once you go over the boss, you come to me. When I tell you to come, you come. I'm the boss. Right. And, and he wanted this that was a legitimate. Of, he had a legitimate excuse. I mean, something came up and he couldn't make the meeting. It wasn't like it was a, a crucial meeting. It was just the meeting and he didn't go and he had him killed. But he was wow. caught on tape and that was one of the charges that he eventually went away for. One of his, you know, multiple uh, homicide charges. Mm. They, they brought that that up. I, I didn't follow that case. So yeah, when the last uh, one, Gotti had this bright idea. He figured the the Raven Knight had to have a dozen microphones in it, but he wasn't taking right. a chance. There was a woman, as we know, who lived upstairs. Mary, in second, third floor. Yeah, she was the widow of right. a, of a of a maid guy. Right, and uh, they took care of her, and they they figured, hey, why not use her apartment for these for these meetings? Well, that's so they what paid happens. for her to take a Florida trip. Well, yeah, and she'd go down to Florida and stay the whole the whole winter. But yeah. the FBI was camping out across the street. For, I mean, everybody knew it, even everybody going to the Ravenite. In fact, it became a joke sometimes. You'd even wave to them. It yeah. happened to me a couple of times. So I wasn't doing anything. So I, and we'd just wave to the guys up there and just to break their balls in plain English. <laughs> but, but, the, but the FBI... Could uh, never figure out watched, why there was uh, no one talking. Well, they, Gotti and his, and his crew wouldn't talk in the club right. for the aforementioned reasons. They figured it was bugged. So they would have these famous walk and talks. Right. They would walk around the neighborhood, particularly him and Sammy the Bull, with their hands over their mouths. Right. So if anybody was reading read their lips, lips they yeah. couldn't read their lips. So all of a sudden, uh, Gotti and Gravano vanish from the street. No more walk and talks. So you know, where, where are they going for these meetings? And they never left the building. And they assumed it was in the building. They they ran down to people who lived in the building. This woman was, was involved through family. She's gone for months at a time. They figured he's using the apartment. They bugged the apartment. Right. And that's how they got him talking about everything, including the uh, DB homicide, which they eventually convicted him on. And, you know, the rest is history. But uh, they broke in there and just bugged the whole place. Yeah, but the, inter- was safe. the, the interesting thing about uh, Roy, the male, that's who we're talking about, yeah. not John. Yeah. This guy was made before John. He was a big earner. Did you know that? No, I, I know Castellano didn't want to make him. I know he didn't want him, but they had to. to yeah. Because of what you just said. Yeah, he was an earner, and yeah, and and you know they, they and he had some pretty pretty guys, major guys that you know vouched for him. Yeah, well, his his claim to fame, uh, what he became infamous, was when he uh, opened up a bar called the Gemini. Oh, the Gemini. Mm. The Gem. I'll tell you right now that the, there was used to be. I mean, the Gemini. Long before, I mean, what, what they were doing, nobody could do. And and that's why if somebody said, let's go have a drink at the Gemini, I'd say, nope, see you later. No, thanks. I'll, I'll have a cocktail anywhere else, <laughs> yeah. not there. No. So who owned was, the Gemini he did. club? Oh, the he mayor. did. It was his oh, place. But it was, it, it was a killing ground. You know, he thought he could get away with everything because he killed everybody. His crew was right. stone cold killers. The mob was afraid of him. How many people were in his crew? Like, how big was that? He had about that? 16 at one time that real, but all killers. Okay. Not only that, but in his first couple of years, they credited him with 100 killings. He did 70 of them himself. Oh, my goodness. To teach you how to do it. Oof. But he did it in such a way where... It was, it was a very yeah, specific was, method. Well, not only that, it was a situation where if you wanted to be part of his crew, not only did you have to kill... Three other guys were with you and watched you do it. So there was no there was no way out of it. 
Mm. And they had, I mean, they were nuts. And they had a routine down those craziness. How they uh, dismembered usually people. Usually they would uh, shoot somebody in the head. He had a silenced pistol. And right. then they became pros at dismembering a body, which is not easy. Not that I would but not, not, not to dismember a body, but it's not easy. But either, even methodically, what you just pointed out, wh what they would do, they'd lure the guy in. And then a guy would be waiting for him with a bath towel. Yeah. Yeah. And wrap his head and shoot him because they didn't so want the blood. Yeah. Then you had to stab him in the heart. Another guy would stab him in. I mean, he, they actually had a ritual. Yeah, they would stab him in, in, so in, the, heart in the lungs, stopped. too, to get all the air yeah. out of him and then drain all the blood. Well, the, the second move was to stab the heart so it stopped pumping blood to come out of the wound. Blood, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy. And then came the dismemberment. Yeah, then they dragged him to the bathtub. And drained everything out of them, and then bring in the saws. And then they sent them plastic bags to the dump, right? Different dumps, though. Oh, it was very smart. Oh, yeah, no, smart. I, I wonder if he's ever going to be a question on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just a thought. 120 people killed in Brooklyn. Uh, 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 who was Roy DeMeo? <laughs> the but everybody knew he was doing this. Oh no! I, within, within, within. I mean, he was. The, for any any anybody, they, they would clean up anything. If they, you knew there was to be a move on somebody, they'd come and clean it up. Yeah, he, he liked to call it the Gemini method. Yep, yep. Right. I wonder it's if that's an addiction or Gemini method and come, that comes up with the formula. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a great title for a book. Well, mm -hmm. go right ahead. Pat. Well, go ahead. Pal. <laughs> well, I take his uh, his son uh, Albert, I believe his name was the Mayo's son. Uh, wrote a book which I read about oh, yeah? his dad, but not from a, a mobster point of view, from a family point of view. Really? No, he was a family and, uh, guy. They didn't even know as, what he did. As with a lot of these guys, even uh, 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 crazy Tony Spallaccio and all these, these were good family men. So yep. DeMeo was, was married? Yeah. And had oh, how many kids? kids? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he had several kids. And so they really didn't know. know. They didn't not know what they did. They, they know, thought, they thought he owned the bar. That was it. That was it. Yeah, he was an exemplary father. Yeah. Okay. He was uh, like everybody's. He threw parties for people on the block. Uh, next door neighbors loved him. They had no idea what he was doing. He, he owned the bar. That's John. That's it. Okay. And that was it. Oof. And uh, to get rid of the bodies, they had a. I don't know if you know where where uh, Starrett City is. You know where Starrett City is, right? No, I do not. Oh, I know. It's uh, it's off the Bell Parkway. It's a, a middle class housing project. It's huge. Okay. Uh, the dumping grounds were were right on across from the Bell Parkway. Uh, the exit on the Bell Parkway is Fountain Avenue. The Fountain Avenue dumps, and they dumped all the bodies there, hundreds of these bodies over the years. Uh, and that's, I mean, it was a, literally a swamp in, in uh, Brooklyn. They unearthed a couple, but uh, they, they stopped digging after a while because it was too expensive. The, mm. the, the land mass was just too huge. Yeah, I can imagine. There was well, a pretty, no. go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead, no. I saw a pretty extensive list online of victims and they had you know specifically who had killed who and so how did that how did those details ever get found out do you have any idea pat no i you know it's after the, after the fact i would imagine uh people that got arrested talked I and mean, the guy's dead he can't hurt them you know it, true the mayor was so feared that uh there was a, a hit ordered out on him this is uh, later in his career john Gotti was given a hit he wouldn't do it mm. And uh, uh, there was other people that wouldn't do it. It got passed. It got passed around of, a bunch, right? 
Now, how you turn down a hit uh, requires more expertise than I have. How yeah. could Gotti get away with that? I have no idea. He had a lead. I, I don't know. I mean, that's like trying to get in somebody's head and say, why didn't you do this? And, and John was very obedient early on, especially to O'Neill. It was his man. Well, when it came to DeMeo, he just refused. He said, I won't do it. And I would think that's something that you can't refuse, no? I, I would think. Under normal conditions? Yeah. I mean, especially, well, I mean, unless, yeah, I mean, I don't understand how if the guy who's sponsoring you gives you an order, you got to do it. Unless you're out. Well, talking about orders, Gaji finds out that DeMeo was involved in pornography and when I talk about child pornography, it was regular pornography. And when Gaji found out, he ordered him to stop. Now, Gaji, uh, as we know, brought him up. I mean, Gaji was a big deal. He was a made guy with a, a very respected reputation. He told the male, stop with the porn. He wouldn't do it. And they oh, let really? it slide. Wow. Hmm. I didn't know about the porn. I don't really know that much about him because yeah. as I, I, my when he was... Coming up the ranks, I was doing other things and not on that level. And to me, it's, uh, you know, after 70, 75, I, I, I was out of here. <laughs> Thank God. Well, to, to, you know, funny you should mention 1975. In 1975, the IRS got on his case because they couldn't get him on anything else, you know, just like the old Al Capone. Of course, they get yeah. Income tax evasion. So uh, DeMeo goes around to, uh, he, by this time, by the way, he's out of the credit union, but he's still maintain ties. There were, were legitimate business people in his credit union. Right. He went around to all of them and under threat of who knows what, made them sign affidavits that he was an employee. And that got him out of the IRS problem. Oh, wow. Because now he has alleged uh, legitimate income. But he, 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 he threatened them and it worked. And that's how he beat that. So now he thinks that he's really untouchable and he starts to go crazy. Like, like so many other guys we knew of as once they got that power, one being Tony Spilatro and the other was their demise, even John. Once he got the notoriety, they liked it. And they thought they got away with it and they're going to do it. But uh, th this is a, a strange, I mean, knowing, I always knew gentleman guys, you know, the older guys and these young kids, the, the uh, I could see using him to do what he did, but the reason he died, they always knew if he got caught, he's going to flip. Well, he, he gained even more power when Gambi Carlo Gambino dies. Castellano gets uh, made head of the family, and he uh, promotes Gaggi, who, who was uh, DeMeo's protector. Well, he promoted and so he had even more power for the earning. That's right, the earnings yeah, so, they were making. That's what it's always about money. I mean, a lot of these guys years ago. I mean, it's always about what you're earning and, and the, that respect. But it's um, this guy. I, I don't know how anybody could like nobody would trust him. So here's your answer right there, and they feared him. Well, so Castellano is now the head of the Gambinos, and now it's 1977. The male spent all his adult life in, in, in the life and they still wouldn't make him. So this is 1977. Castellano says, absolutely not. And he, he, and, and he wouldn't make him. Finally, he gets made, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the date, 
but it was after, sometime after 77. But up until 77. Uh, uh, Who was uh, the boss then, John? Castellano just didn't like him. He felt he was out of control. Well, he was. <laughs> yeah, well, and he just he, he didn't want to give him the button, and that was it. But then he gets involved with the Westies. Well, that was, but now, now you're getting into my business. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I knew the Westies well, and he came up with that idea. Did you know that? He, went, he went and got permission to meet with the Westies because right. the Westies yeah. was doing all the, the, the Westies did a lot of heavy work, especially for the Gambino family. Meaning yeah, well, that was the killing. idea. But DeMeo orchestrated it even more because now, and, and that's, he basically, once they merged, he, he did all the cleanup. Yeah. They didn't do have, they did the cleaning and bring, and bring them the bodies. Yeah, they, they, yeah to blame it on the Irishman. Yeah. Now, for, to, to mm. get the Westies involved, Jimmy Coonan, who headed the Westies at the time, and him right. and his, his second in command was a guy named Featherstone, another cycle. Right. But the, the, the eldest statesman there was a guy named Mickey Spillane. He was a known gambler, right. and he ran Hell's Kitchen. Right. Coonan and Featherstone wanted Spillane out of the way, uh, so they they went to DeMeo. DeMeo's the one that waxed Spillane, gave Coonan his head. To give, to, to show that, uh, it, it that allegedly Coonan actually, they, they put Spillane's head in a bowling ball bag and brought it to a bar on the, on the west side. Well, it's when I was going there, it was Kilcullen's Green Beret. Forget what it was called before that. But they, they, they brought the head, the head to the bar and rolled it down the bar. And in wow. other words, Coonan is now saying, I'm the boss. But it was the Mayo who cemented their relationship by killing Spillane. Smart. Smart guy, man. Yeah. If, if so you want to be in that business. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, any 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 excess blood was on the hands of the Westies, and they gambino had nothing to do with it, and they couldn't prove it. Right. Even though the orders were given by by the mail. So finally, somewhere in there, he got made. Oh, mid nineteen seventy seven, I think it was. No, mid nineteen seventy seven he was put in charge of uh, of the Westies by Castellano. Right. Well Castellano owes him. Uh, because he, he, he was running on Castellano, who considered himself a businessman, right. could wash his hands of all that violence and leave it up to DeMeo, and now he's got the Westies. He had no choice but to make them. So he made them, and then he did approve them, is what you're saying. Yeah, eventually uh, eventually he did. Uh, but he kidded, uh, committed a lot of unsanctioned uh, killings. And they, they mentioned one in the uh, research I was doing in 1977, uh, there was a double homicide of a suspected car thief, and uh, his his 19-year-old uh, girlfriend, who was suspected, once again, of possibly talking to the authorities. This was not a sanctioned hit. He did it on his own, and he got away with that, too. Mm. I mean, to me, I mean, I, 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 again, my, my life was so different than these street guys who got, got to where they are. I'm Not that I was ever in the mob, but I was around people that, you know, did and had respect for years and years and years. And this was like cowboys and Indians now, what they were doing and, and just running crazy, crazy. Well, he, he also gets involved with a, a Cuban drug cartel, unsanctioned. I mean, drugs. Hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as, we, as everybody, every listener should know by now that uh, dealing, using drugs is absolutely forbidden. And now you're going outside the Italian realm and, and connecting with the Cubans? Well, by the 70s, unfortunately, that's you know, that's why Joe Bonanno 
and a couple another family got broken up because of they they were they were just there was just too much money in drugs, so well, they, they were doing it, and yeah, then you turn uh, a blind eye. Though De Mayo is getting uh, paranoid, and he, he he thinks that the uh, uh, that the Cubans are trying to double cross him and kill him. So at his house, and this is what I read in his son's book. At this time, they didn't know what, what Daddy was doing. Uh, De Mayo's paranoid, and he sees a car parked in front of his house, and he races outside of the house with a gun, and whoever was in the car takes off. Now, the person who was in the car was a college kid waiting for somebody. He sees this nut running up the block toward him with a gun. He takes off. The male gets in his car, chases him. This is in Long Island. This is a residential area. Blocks the car, gets out of the car, and kills the college kid. Oh, my God. Murders him right in the middle of the street. And he has he no he connection? Was, and nobody... he thought, he, well, he thought he was sent to kill him by the Cubans. Oh, wow. Nothing to do with anything. And I, I recall in the book by the son... Uh, then that's when everything comes out and he realizes who his father was. And his, his, uh, De Mayo, according to his son, was absolutely crushed by what he did. He figured people that are in the life, that's no problem. But this kid, he said his father actually cried and went into a fit of depression that he really never saw him come out of. After he killed that kid. Really? Yep, that's what the son says. Right. Huh. And I, I think they were just trying that, to make a... Uh, it sounds kind of surprising to me. I think he was just, yeah. after all the maniac killings he did, unless he was just trying to show his son he was, uh, you know. Had a heart. Had a heart. And, well, well, everybody was infuriated by this, and any witnesses had to go. And one of uh, DeMeo's uh, good friends uh, since the beginning of his criminal career, a guy named Rosenberg, killed him. Uh, well, that was anybody, in the beginning of his career, that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't cross this guy. You know, he may have shed a tear or shook his head and said, gee, I'm sorry I killed the kid. But it, it, when it came to killing his best friend, he had no problem. Mm. He killed him. Now, coincidentally, you you remember the name Eppolito when we talked about the mafia? Of course, cops? yeah. Right. Okay, his cousins, the uh, Eppolito brothers, were involved uh, with uh, uh, with uh, Roy DeMeo. Uh, uh, I, Gaji and the 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 uh, the, uh, the Epolitos crossed the mail in some way. Gaji was was untouchable, but the uh, Epolitos weren't. They weren't killed, but they were framed in such a way that they that they did a lot of time. And they didn't open up when they got locked up. No. Wow. Mm. Uh, Gaji uh, was involved in a shooting uh, about that time in retribution for what happened to the Epolitos. Gaji was shot in the neck and survived and wouldn't say a word. He, he knew who what, did year, it. what year was that now? Do you know? 79. Uh-huh. So. It's so funny, you know, because um, as you and I, all the three of us basically you, sitting here, we're involved with a, a gentleman who's came to fame of a movie called Green Book. Mm. And uh, Nick Balalonga, who won the Oscar last year for best screenplay and best and he's working on our 10-hour miniseries as we speak, fortunately. I get a call from Carmine, who was the maitre d' of the COPA in New York. And some people in, in Brooklyn gave him the money to open up the COPA in Brooklyn. Yeah, Flatbush Avenue, Carmine's yeah. COPA. Right. I still say I saw you there I was 30 there. years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I was there. I went to see Bobby Rydell. No, I was there a lot, but the bottom line where, where I'm going with this, 
that night, they they called me. I was there. Like I think we did like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Paul Castellano rents the whole club just for his family and friends. Nick Vallelongo, who was like 16, 17 now, which his Nick Vallelongo was in my wedding party in The Godfather mm-hmm. as a kid. Now he's at my show, and Tony the Lip, his father, is working for Carmine's Copa. As he, this is like seven degrees of separation. From it's crazy. Gianni That's Russo. crazy. But, but it gets crazier. Yeah. So this is the story I told a while ago. My One of my first best men in my marriage on Staten Island was Tommy Bellotti. Now Tommy Bellotti becomes the underboss to Paul Castellano. And he takes the whole room. And I think I told you the story one time. It was a very funny story. So Tommy said, you know, we're coming here tonight. And he'd be with his wife, Kathy, who I knew for years from Staten Island. Uh, uh, Kathy Cushido. and But he said, my girlfriend is going to be with her girlfriends. And I got at the table right ringside. Now, please fuss over her. I said, okay, Tom, whatever you want me to do. So now... The place is packed. Guess who was at the bar? Roy DeMeo. He was. I, 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 I guess he was often killing people that night. No, but I guess it was a place to be seen. Right he got invited. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of gaudy people there. I mean, uh, Gambino people there. Yeah. So you and were in his company. Only before. once. Wow. And I heard the name. And yeah. I knew or about the reputation already. Okay. And it's funny because I had this conversation with Nick Vallelongo. He has a photograph of me, him, and his father, him, Roy DeMeo, and oh his father. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now but, I do this show, and this is to show the mentality of these people. I do my show, and, I'm, and how, how can I fail? I mean, it's all friends and family and all that. Tommy Bellotti comes back in my dressing room, which was a snoopy little dressing room. Hmm. He clears everybody out. Get out, get out. I said, what's the matter with you? He said, I should kill you. I said, what are you going to kill me for? <laughs> Good said, question. I, I saw how you were looking at my girlfriend and singing to her. And I, t- I know Tommy 100 years. I said, Tommy, are you kidding me? He said, no, I ain't kidding. You look like I'm kidding. I said, hold it. You told me to do it. But I didn't tell you to do it that much. Huh. The way you were singing to her, everybody thought you were with her. I said, you told me to do this. <laughs> and fortunately, some people came in and said, what's going on here? Broke it up. And I, you I know, but it's a good thing you weren't invited for a cocktail at the Gemini Lounge. That Hello, night. yeah, I'm sure. Oh, goodness, yeah, Surprising. thank God. I didn't wind up in there, but I mean, yeah, talk geez. about, you know, what was that, 50 degree? What is that, that, that separation? Six degrees, seven. I mean, seven. It's crazy. Every story we talk about, it's either the Copa gets involved with it and, mm-hmm. or this or that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's all tied together. But, so you, you remember Carmine's Copa? Oh, yeah. Well, I was in the Army with, with the Bobby Rydell, and every time he played Carmine's Copa, which was often, oh yeah, uh, I'd get a call, and I'd, I'd, I'd go down there. He was a great entertainer. Oh, yeah. Invitations, yeah, the whole yeah, bit. No, no one knew the extent of what his nightclub act was about. But anyway, yeah, I was there many times. Hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. But... So I hope we filled us guys' uh, want list here. Hmm. Well, well, did we discuss well, how, well, how we, he we ended? Haven't, we, we haven't discussed uh, poor Roy's end. Oh, right. yeah, please. Well, 
uh, a guy named uh, Ruggiero was in uh, Gotti's crew before Hello. he became who he became. Right. Uh, was known to have a big mouth, and he was taped talking about the Mayo and the bodies, and uh, in the same sentence, Castellano's name was mentioned. Whoa. Not that Castellano had anything to do with this, not the Mayo, because the Mayo did what he wanted to do, but the, now Castellano says he's got to go. Uh, the Mayo. You know, Ruggiero, they didn't know what they were going to do with him because he was already subpoenaed to testify. So uh, I don't think anything ever happened to him. Uh, but anyway. I think uh, Ruggiero flipped on even well, a close friend of mine and John. He, he, you know, surprised they gave him the opportunity to do that. But he was very, know. he had a lot of friends. Uh, Della Croce was one of them. And right. maybe they, they waited too long. But this is when the hit was was offered to various people, Gotti being one of them, to get, well, not offered, ordered, killed the mayo. Gotti wouldn't do it. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, somebody they, did it. They uh, found I, him in a trunk in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, it was the trunk of his own car, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wound up, he went out the usual, going, going out to get a pack of cigarettes, you know, Never came back. He never came back. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking in my notes here to find out who actually did it. Uh, did they know? Well, he's supposed to end uh, attend his uh, 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 Patty Tester's daughter's birthday party, uh, and he didn't show up. And you know, you, you get invited to these family things, you go because it's an insult if you don't. Oh yeah. And course. everybody was surprised that he never showed, and they automatically assumed something happened to him. And they, they found him in his uh, in his uh, 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 his Cadillac in the parking lot of the Ventura Boat Club. He was in there. They couldn't find him for four days, and it was in the middle of the winter. He was had a thaw him out. He was frozen in, in the trunk of the car. Yeah, well, if you're gonna throw somebody in a trunk, don't do it in the summer, cause in, that would, in that a day it's decomp would be <laughs> fast. So they don't know who did it. Is that well? A known they said fact? that uh, Anthony Casso was the one who. Oh my God. Gas he pipe. took the contract. Yeah, gas pipe. Yeah, he and I can see it. that. Uh, okay. he, he, he's another one. Right. Uh, you want him dead? Or, or, or do you want me to take him to dinner? You, right. you know, you, you name name one. Yeah. Anyway, he got it. Then that's that's who supposedly killed him. And I believe it. Huh. I, I believe that too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, what a life. What a life. Yeah. That's what they say. All right, Jeff. Well, there you go. There's all we have on him, right? All right, Jeff. We, we hope we... Uh, Fulfilled yes. what we know, and you're satisfied with that. But what's more important, like like Jeff, we dedicated the show to what he wanted. Please keep subscribing, sending our letters. You know, we're 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 dedicating one show a month now just to mailbags. So this is how we get these shows, and we we want to satisfy you. Yeah, and, if you want anything, if anything interests you, any topic, and uh, we'd be happy to do a show on it. Yeah, yeah. send me an email, and I'll pass it on. Perfect. Yeah. It's time to go to the mail. I like the mail. <laughs> All right. First is a message I want to share from Joshua. Joshua says, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm a huge fan and listen to the podcast as much as possible. I work in the insurance industry and I'm on the road all day and your podcast keeps me entertained while I'm out on the road. I was born in Brooklyn in the 70s and had many Italian friends and influences. We moved to Florida when I was a teenager and I always missed the vibe of the city. Hearing you guys talk brings back so many memories of life in New York. I was curious to know if you had any stories of dealings between the mafia and biker gangs. How often did they work together? I don't, well, I only remember one story and that, that blew up on them. They, they were on uh, 10th Avenue. 
Hell's Angels had a club there for a while. Oh, it was Hell's Angels. So we'll, what had we'll, happened? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we're not going to talk about it now. We'll look, we'll do a show. Oh, all right. The, the, only, thing, the only connection uh, I'm aware of was the uh, uh, Montreal chapter of the Hell's Angels bought their drugs from a northern New Jersey crew. And uh, I did, did a book about it. Uh, it's called uh, Undercover Cop. The odd thing was when my the guy that I wrote the story on went went to meet. Well, the Hell's Angel was the emissary was coming down from Canada, and he expected to see uh, Hell's Angel, you know, with with, with colors and a yeah, beard and, yeah, right. and his hair in braids. And what this guy comes down in a three piece suit, <laughs> and 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 my, my guy says, you know, he was leery right away. He figures he's an FBI agent. I forgot to change his clothes, and they got to talking, and the guy says. You expect me to come down here looking like a hell's angel? Huh. And he had a point. And they had a they had a relationship uh, uh, with this crew in, uh, in Northern Jersey after that. Well, we'll do some research for you. And if there's enough, we'll do a show for you. But good All right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So since we brought up uh, Montreal, I wanted to bring up this next question. This is from Vito. Vito says, I'm first generation Italian from Montreal. Did you ever meet Don Vito Rizzuto from the yes. Montreal Mafia? Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Why not? No, the funniest thing, I, I, well, we were up there. I shot a couple of movies up there. I shot uh, a movie with Sarah Michelle Geller, which was called Harvard Man. And I said earlier many times about us shooting the freshmen up there. But most people don't know, and I'm, I'm you know, there are, they're, they're saying there's more Italians in Montreal than in Italy right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I heard the same thing. So it's... Uh, so how, 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 tell us anything about this guy, Rizzuto? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. <I'd> ask. And <laughs> on that note, moving nope, on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So this is from Blair. This is for Patrick. Blair says, I love you on the podcast. I purchased Bloodshot Eyes as a result of the most recent episode and read it on my flight from London to D.C. yesterday. Thought it was great and was reading the last few pages quickly in the taxi home from the airport so I didn't have to tell my wife I was busy with it after being gone a week. Keep up the great work. Oh, oh hey, thank you so much. What's uh, his name? This was Bl- Bloodshed Eyes Blair. Was my first no- no- Blair, oh, that's Blair. great. Yeah. Bloodshed Eyes was my first novel. That's and it was based on a case that I worked and I talked about this in, in, in the past that I got uh, frustrated with because I, I couldn't bring this private investigation to fruition so I turned it into a novel, and that turned out to be Bloodshot Eyes. But thank oh, wow. you very much, Blair. I I'm glad people that. are enjoying it. See those commercials yeah. working. <laughs> they, they pay off. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next one is from Michael. Michael says, love your podcast. I listen to it religiously and love your stories and storytelling. I'm not sure if this, is, if this question has been asked before, but did you know Hugh Hefner? And if so, have you ever visited the Playboy Mansion or any of the Playboy clubs? We're gonna do, we should do a show on that. You think? He, well, I'm going to tell you why. First of all, uh, Hugh Hefner came from Chicago, and he was backed by Ocado. And they created that from there. And Hef went on to become a powerhouse in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I did work. They asked me, after The Godfather, I, he, they had a club up in Rochester. Right, I can remember like yesterday, Rochester, New York, they had a Playboy club up there right across from the Kodak thing. So what I did, I went from that establishment up there, Playboy club, mm-hmm. and I crossed the country doing Playboy clubs on the weekend. Oh my God. And my routine was, it's a fun story, and it's colorful. 
So I ordered a, uh, I think, um, oh, when was this? In the 70s, I ordered a Rolls Royce Corniche, mm-hmm. and I had it delivered there. And it was in March, I remember well. And I'd work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'd take a couple of bunnies with me to the next location, and they'd go home. You know, you had a tough life, Johnny. <laughs> I, 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 it really I sounds so, sorry so horrible. And I, I finished. I finished. I'd take a couple of bunnies. I love that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I believe in Easter, but anyway. Oh, right, that's it. <laughs> no, but the what funniest thing is that I wound up at the, the Playboy Club in in Century City, California. I actually crossed the country doing this, hopping Playboy Club to Playboy Club. Yep. That's it. What a time you must have had. I had an amazing time. <laughs> what, what kind of a guy was Hef? Hef was a strange guy, but you know, when you, you, he was a brilliant man. I mean, you think about what well, he created. Be, he built I mean, an empire. Yeah, I mean, this guy, mm-hmm. very smart. And, uh, you know, and all these young girls, I mean, I can understand how he got them because he could make you or break you. He was, you know, he was... But I, I can't say, though, that you could call him a Harvey Weinstein. He would never force you. He had you didn't children. have to. Well, That's good. it. That's it. It's a good thing. But, yeah. Nice guy. And, and just recently, I mean, I think I was with him at, at his house. I actually stayed there about four or five years ago before he got sick, and that was the end of it. Hmm. All right. Next one is from Barbara. Barbara says, I can't imagine the answer to be yes, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Gianni, has there ever been an instance where you have been starstruck? No. Well, when you were a kid. uh, (laughs) Oh, when I was a kid. Well, I I was starstruck to see. Let me correct myself. Okay. I was starstruck, if you read our book, when my mentor that I met on the radio, December 12th, 1970, then found out I shared the same birthday with Frank Sinatra. Then to walk in on his rehearsal at the Copacabana, and there is my mentor that I only heard and saw. Right. I mean, uh, only heard, and went to him, talked to him, and had a relationship till he died. So I was starstruck about Sinatra. Mm. Anybody else? Dean, Brando. Brando, not Brando to me. I loved his work. I didn't like him. Then I got to love him. Mm. But the beat, I mean, talk about it. I'm talking me mouth open stars. Right. Heart pounding. Yeah, I would have to say, on about my heart. My my heart, I leave home most of the time. But uh, come on. I'm just saying, but no, I I mean, I I would have to say Frank Sinatra. Then Dean, Dean right after that. To Mm. me, Dean that time. I'm sitting ringside and they're talking to me. Right. Crazy. Crazy stuff. All right. Next one is from Tara for Gianni. Tara asks, have you been offered any recent movie or TV roles? Yes. Numerous ones. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, to me, after you have the career I've had and I know where we're going now and on stuff that we control, I mean, I get offers all the time, but I, I don't like to do low-budget movies to begin with, never did. And that's what most of people my age are doing just to stay in the business. Mm-hmm. And we have too much going on. I think in, you'll find out in the next year, year and a half. Yep. Why would I want to go there? I mean, I, I've come, I think it's been proven I came out of one of the greatest films in the world. You know, yeah, I'm, how do you I'm, top that? I'm yeah, happy. Right? <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> that's awesome. 
All right, next one is from Melissa for Gianni. Melissa asks, did you know Carlos Marcello? Read the book. <laughs> the, the book is called Hollywood Godfather. Maybe they just want to hear the about it firsthand. I knew Carlos, yeah, and I, I really liked the guy. I mean, he was like, you know, a, go- a, a grandfather to me. Mm. No, but I mean, I can't believe she's asking that question. <laughs> she must be a new listener and a non-reader. She may just want to hear it. <laughs> But. I mean, she might want to hear something that we haven't that we didn't write in the book. But yeah. mm. uh, we 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 put the most important things about Marcelo's life in that book right. as it pertains to Gianni. Right. right. And then the and the American history, basically. Mm. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. All right. So next one is from Greg. Greg says you've mentioned in the past shows how cities like New York, Chicago, and Kansas City, just to name a few. Each had a casino in Las Vegas. Did Boston have anything similar? Of course. They couldn't remember Patriarca. Okay. The, his follow-up question was, did you know anyone anyone in the Patriarca or Angulo families? Am See? I saying that correctly? No, but it's okay. Oh, all right. I'm not going to correct them. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, the Dunes Hotel, What? How they? when they created Vegas so it becomes neutral and everybody could eat from it, as they would say, Boston had the dunes, and Raymond was New England. I mean, I could name every casino. St. Louis had the Aladdin. Caesars became what was the Sands. I mean, every Chicago had the Riviera Hotel and the Stardust. I mean, you go Could right you, uh, was there ever a mob hit in Vegas proper. I'm not talking about no, the desert. No, Yeah, well, there you go. That's exactly what you're saying. That's why they did it. That's why they did it. Everybody had their peace and it was... And there Everybody was, was happy. Throughout. And God forbid, yeah. that's why they had the problems with Tony Spilatro because Tony got out of control. The man that sent him there, a major man, a high-ranking guy in the outfit in Chicago, you know, is uh, Sam Giancana. He couldn't control him. They killed him in his basement. And that you're talking about high-ranking guy. Mm-hmm. And then that next we know what Spalatro was, they called him in and Joe Batters was, said, that's it. I, unfortunately, Michael had to go because Michael was there. That was his brother. Yeah. Mm. Got it. All right, next one is from Christopher. Christopher asked for Gianni, I just started reading your book, so I apologize if it's in there. <laughs> But did you know Henry Hill? Never liked the man who's a rat from the day I knew him. Henry mm. Hill. I when De Niro took that part, I, I was laughing. I mean, well, he didn't take uh, he didn't take the Henry Hill part. No, but I'm saying, but to get yeah. involved with these people. But even him, even him in Casino playing Lefty Rosenthal. Lefty yeah. Rosenthal was an idiot and controlled by the mob. He I mean, he was a numerologist as far as fixing lines and all of that. And then I found out later on it was somebody else doing that in Chicago. But he took the glory and the heat. <laughs> mm. Did I tell you how I got a, 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 a book blurb from Henry Hill for Undercover Cop? No. Undercover Cop was the was three books before ours, Johnny. So, so, so talking six years ago. Mm-hmm. And they like to have blurbs from famous people. So right. it's a mob book. So St. Martin's Press said, says, who do you know that's, that's, that's in the mob that's still around that'll that'll give you a blurb. I said, well, Henry Hill, I mean, I haven't talked to the guy since who knows when, many years ago. I'll see if I can track him down. So 
uh, me and the guy that I wrote well, the book about. you couldn't track him down, nobody could. <laughs> we track him down. He's in the hospital on his deathbed. deathbed. Oh, wow. And I get his brother on the phone. Uh, and I said, you know, I'm from the I'm from the old neighborhood, and Henry, you know, we knew blah, blah, blah. I wrote this book, and I talked to him about perhaps saying something on the book. And, you know, I realize he's in the hospital now, but I didn't, you know, I got him, got them on the phone. I'm going to ask. He's literally on, on, on his deathbed. He can hardly talk. And uh, I said, Henry, I don't know if you remember who I am. I get silence because he couldn't talk, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I said, I'm looking for a blurb. And he knew exactly what it was because, I mean, the book is his book. Right. He, he knew the publishing industry a bit. So he squeaks out, great book. Oh, my gosh. And you That's put that what's in? on the back cover. Right? No uh, way. <laughs> two, those two words, Henry Hill. Great book. He got it out and he died. Oh, wow. That's wild. Legendary. My great book. I love it. <laughs> never read it. Never really even saw That's it. That's funny. I love it. That's hysterical. Anyway, Henry Hill's story. Oh, my gosh. All right. Should we do one more? Yeah, please. All right. Sure, this last one is from Duke. This is actually addressed to me. Good. <laughs> so Duke says, you have a beautiful speaking voice. I was wondering if that extends to singing. I can see you and Gianni doing a duet. Whoa. Oh, what do you think? Well, answer Gianni. the question. Do you sing? She I does. do. She does. Yeah. She sings you a lot, actually. These days, mostly for myself, but I did a little mu musical theater yeah. back in the day. Oh, really? I did, so yeah. Do, do, could there be possibly in the future you guys doing a, uh, a duet? I would think so. You never know. Somewhere along the line. That's a good question. Yeah. Who was that? This was Duke. Duke? Yes. Duke, 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 Duke of Earl. Duke of Earl. <laughs> you sound great right there. Well, that's, that, that's my duet with you. Okay, <laughs> You got yours in just now. I love it. Yeah, oh, I got it. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's time to say goodnight. And again, please keep the cards and letters coming in. Keep subscribing. Tell your friends. We're having too much fun. We're going into our third series. It's, uh, it's the third year. What are we in? Seasons? Third season. Third season. Third season. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you all for supporting us. We'll see you next week. The best is yet to come. That's okay, right. good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. I did what I had to do. And so it through without exemption. Each chartered course, each careful step,